Well, you guys know what a geek I am about our military and law enforcement. And you guys also know, because I've talked about it, how much I appreciate writers. I married a writer, for gosh sakes. Uh, now, my wife writes different things than our next guest. And my wife has no experience in the American military. So I, at this moment, I'm going to put Jack Carr a, a, a step higher than my wife, especially when we're talking about the United States military and what the president did uh, this past week. So let's drag him in here. Uh, Navy SEAL, not now. He's you know out of the military now. But you never stop being a Navy SEAL. And an author, he's written uh, two books you should check out if you're into uh, into like the, the Vince Flynn, Brad Thor kind of spy novels, thrillers. Um, the one is the, the Terminal List and the other is True Believer, and, and we'll get into that with him. But uh, Jack Carr, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on. I sure appreciate it. I'm glad you're here, especially in the current situation, because I do want to talk about the new book. And if you can give us any insight to it. But I have to ask you, as a guy who served this country and uh, earned the designation of Navy SEAL and all the skills and responsibilities that come with it, what was your first reaction when you heard about the president's uh, signing the order to take out this bad guy, Soleimani? Well, it was it was uh, about time. Um, long time coming. And, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's personal in that, uh, I've driven that road where he was killed, uh, spent time at the embassy that was attacked and, uh, the IEDs and EFPs, which are the explosively formed penetrators, uh, the, the IEDs that could defeat us armor on vehicles. Um, the cells, uh, IED cells that he facilitated, those were responsible for uh, the deaths of friends of mine. And, uh, and I think 50% of the casualties in Iraq. So I certainly did not mourn his passing. Um, and, uh, and one of my missions in Iraq was uh, to pressure the enemy threat network, which uh, is really a diplomatic way of saying that it was to destroy those IED cells, um, uh, the most intricate, advanced, and robust of which, of course, uh, were facilitated by Iran. And Iran, as I think it's pretty safe to say, any person with a casual relationship with the truth and the news, Iran really is the world's largest exporter of terror, and that's what this guy's specialty was. That's true, and it has been for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, bottom line is he was an enemy combatant and had really been at the war at war with, uh, with us, uh, with, with Iraq, with Israel, since 1979. So um, he controlled and built up those proxy forces that we talk about that had uh, international reach. And uh, According to Mike Pompeo, I heard him talking the other night about, uh, he, I mean, clearly represented a, a danger to, to U.S. diplomats, soldiers, and citizens, and U.S. interests abroad. So... Uh, it was time for him to, uh, it's long past time for him to be taken off the board. But um, what's different about, about this one is that uh, since 1979, really, Iran has, uh, has learned uh, and learned very early on that terrorism works. And uh, this is a, a case of them testing the waters and of them uh, learning that, hey, this, this new administration is not, well, they found, their, they found the line. They found where they could push it up into, and that, uh, and then uh, they found out uh, that we weren't going to be uh, like the administration's past. Well, that's good. Uh, we're talking to a gentleman named Jack Carr, served this country uh, with great distinction as a Navy SEAL, and as Jack said, he had driven the road where the uh, where the drone 
cited and then took action to take out General Soleimani the other day. And uh, Jack, one of the amazing things, our military can take out the number one general from the Iranian military and pretty much not hurt anybody else in the uh, in the collateral damage. This was an incredibly precise strike. Is that just normal or was this an exception? Well, it's uh, certainly our military capabilities uh, have have uh, grown and evolved exponentially since 9-11. So uh, we've had 20 years to learn and adapt, uh, which the enemy has been doing as well. But uh, now we've had 20 years, almost 20 years of sustained warfare. So uh, being able to do this, to, to use our intelligence assets, either on the ground, uh, signals intelligence, um, however that came about, uh, and pull this strike off, um, it's, I mean, it's not something that's abnormal these days. Good. And it's, uh, it's just another demonstration of our, uh, our fairly robust uh, military and intelligence capabilities. Now, I'm glad to hear that. Makes me very happy. As we look at this situation, and we obviously know that the Iranians aren't just going to fold up their tents and Hezbollah and the related groups that are sort of uh, farm teams to the Iranian terror groups. They're not just going to go away. They're going to likely attempt to strike at some of our assets in the region. And we shouldn't expect this to just end here, should we? Right. Iran will retaliate in some way, shape, or form, and it's likely that that'll be an indirect attack via proxy forces uh, through which they have international reach and have a history of successful attacks. So, um, But now, after knowing that we have a new administration, uh, my guess is they put a little more thought into how to muddy the waters, meaning they're going to try to make it more uh, non-attributable, um, maybe even look like another organization. Uh, remember, up until 9-11, Iran, or any back Hezbollah, had, was responsible for more American deaths than any other terrorist organizations. And sometimes those responses and plans uh, were years in, in the planning process. And a lot of times used those proxies effectively, which really inhibited us from directly striking back uh, at Iran. So, I mean, they were, Iranian-back Hezbollah was responsible for U.S. embassy bombing in Beirut in 1983 and 84. Uh, 84 was the embassy annex complex and then uh, responsible for the Marine barracks bombing in 83. Um, our response to which was just harsh rhetoric, and then we pulled out a few months later. So once again, that uh, kind of set the stage for everything that happened since then and showed them that hey, terrorism works and the U.S. is a, is a paper tiger. So I guess, uh, so what does all that mean? <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. Uh, it means that uh, the elite in Iran, uh, particularly the Ayatollah, will probably be weighing the different responses to this um, and thinking about how a, a limited or a weaker response would uh, risk the loss of political and military capital within Iran and more importantly in the region and uh, how a response that is more robust could bring down the full weight of the U.S. military, which would mean his demise and, demise and destruction of his entire country. So uh, my guess is that they will lean towards something that's worked in the past and facilitate a response through those proxies that are more difficult to pin directly on Iran. Um, and just like their terrorist prox pro proxy groups, there's also uh, proxy propaganda voices out there. Uh, and in today's day and age where everyone has a, has a voice and access to a, to a smartphone or a computer, those can be extremely effective as well. That's true. That's very true. Well, we'll watch this. The president has, in fact, warned Iran not to uh, mess with any American assets in the region as well as any American citizens in the region. So we'll keep an eye on that. 
And you know what? I would love to be able to pick up the phone or I'll give you my number. You can tap into us if you see something and say, hey, you guys got to be aware of what's going on here. This is important if you don't mind, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what we're talking about today, I mean, Rand's been slowly turning up the heat over the past few months and pushing the limits and see just where the Trump administration's line is going to be drawn. And uh, we shot down with the, the UAV in June, hit the hit oil tankers in June, and they're behind the, the Saudi Aramco drone attack in September and then escalated it with uh, uh, attacking our coalition bases and then backing the protesters, quote unquote, who uh, attacked the U.S. embassy uh, just the other day. And uh, that attack on the embassy was almost a disaster. I mean, think back to Benghazi and the diplomatic compound in 2012, where two of my friends were killed there. And then, uh, of course, the 1979 takeover of the embassy in Tehran. And uh, that event and those photos from the event have just loomed over U.S. foreign policy in the region ever since. Yeah, as they should loom over our foreign policy. So we learn never to allow a Benghazi to happen again. Uh, Jack Carr is the man's name, Navy SEAL, also an author, as I mentioned, Jack has two books already out there, The Terminalist and True Believer, both with this uh, character who I think is ripe for a movie, uh, James Reese. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's in your future. Uh, but you also have something new coming out in April of this year. What's the, what's the story about uh, Savage Sun? That's right. So Savage Sun hits shelves on April 14th. Uh, or it should, pending a DOD review. Um, and I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I, I submitted for the first three novels. The Department of Defense were, were late on all three. They were seven months late with the second novel. Uh, and now they're they're about at the three, a little over the three-month mark now to read something that it takes most people, uh, you know, a few hours or, uh, you know, a, a week in the evenings or whatever it may be. But uh, they take a little too much time, and then they take out things that are clearly not detrimental to national security. They're ah. taking things out that are declassified, unclassified for whatever reason. So it's uh, it's quite the pain. But uh, yeah, Savage Sun comes out in April, hopefully. And it's the, bo- the book that I've been to write since I was in sixth grade when I first read The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. Ah. Um, and this is a tribute to that short story for those that remember uh, the Richard Connell uh, short story back, uh, back in the day. I've heard that a few sixth and seventh grade classes still read it today, which is kind of a, a surprise. But even back then, I knew that one day I'd write a novel that paid tribute to that classic story of Hunter versus Hunted. Wow, what a cool story. Now when I get it and I read it, as soon as you send me my galley, hint, hint, I will have... Yes, a, as soon a, as I can send him out, I'll get one to you. <laughs> good, good. His name is Jack Carr. Jack, where's the best website for us to find you? Officialjackcar.com. And that's I try to keep it very fresh with at least one blog post a month. And I do a reading list on there where I choose. I didn't want to post my full reading list all at once, so I take six and then describe how they those six each month made an impact on me when I read them in my life, that sort of thing. So that'll go up there uh, each month, and I, I try to keep it keep it fresh. And then on the social channels, I am at Jack Carr USA, and I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. But uh, there is a Facebook, but three was too many. Uh, after all these years in the military where I had no social media presence whatsoever, uh, three was just too much to handle. So Facebook does re- repost from Instagram, but I'm active and engaged on Instagram and Twitter cool. at Jack Carr USA. Cool. Well, uh, I'll connect to you and you can connect to me and we'll stay in touch any way you want. But uh, thank you, Jack. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure.